didn't have a clear picture of what I thought I would be doing in life when I was a child, my parents didn't seem too concerned about my future. I got reasonably good grades, and since I didn't have a passion for anything in particular, they were content to let me drift along as long as I didn't create any problems for them. My mother was a fantasist who liked to imagine me as a great man of letters or the theater without any inclination on my part or guidance from her. My approach to finding work was not too different than that of George Costanza right after he quit one of his many jobs on the Seinfeld series. So what are you going to do now? Are you going to look for something else in real estate? Nobody's hiring now. The market's terrible. So what are you going to do? <laughs> I like sports. I could do something in sports. Uh-huh, uh-huh. In what capacity? You know, like the general manager of a baseball team. <laughs> Yeah, well, that, that can be tough to get. Well, it doesn't even have to be the general manager. Maybe I could be like an announcer, like a color man. You know how I always make those interesting comments during the game? Yeah, yeah, you make good comments. So what about that? Well, you know, they tend to give those jobs to ex-ball players and people that are, you know, in broadcasting. <laughs> Well, that's really not fair. I know. Well, okay, okay. What else do you like? Movies. I like to watch movies. Yeah, yeah. Do they pay people to watch movies? Projectionists. That's true. But you gotta know how to work the projector. Right. And it's probably a union thing. Those unions. Okay, sports, movies. What about a talk show host? Talk show host, that's good. I think I'd be good at that. I talk to people all the time. Someone even told me once they thought I'd be a good talk show host. Really? Yeah, a couple of people. How do you get that, though? Where do you start? Well, that's where it gets tricky. I can't just walk into a building and say, I want to be a talk show host. I wouldn't think so. <laughs> it's all politics. All right, okay. Sports, movies, talk show hosts. What else? One doesn't think of Jerry Seinfeld as a great actor, but the timbre of his voice and the gentle yet practical manner with which he responds to George's inquiries is almost touching. It reminds me of my own attempts at finding meaningful employment as a young man. Now, a good friend of mine sat with me and he cried. He told me a story I know he had lied. He said he went for a job and this a man said, Without an education, you might as well be dead Now don't get me wrong, he said it's not who you are But people come to me from a near and a far 
But I too just work and I follow the rules. I didn't have an education, so I had to go back to school. Tell me one more time, people now. What you say? Without an education, you might as well. That he loves so well And of their personal trouble I will not tell Now those guys didn't seem good And they didn't seem bad They didn't seem so happy And I know they weren't sad But the point is it That they follow the rules They got an education And they all finished school Now underneath his tears I can see the true fact When he dropped out of school He never Never went back. Tell me one more time, people. Look here. Without an education, you might as well. Got to, got to, got to listen now, now. Without an education, might as well. Look here. So one day he got tired of his little spending chains. So he looked up his friends to check their pay ring. When he got there, the crib, he found that he was a drag. Cause man, they were clean, and his clothes were like rags. One was a businessman with a plenty of dough. He had his thing so set up, he knew he couldn't blow. The other had his job so uptight. He had his whole family and his kids all out of sight. Tell me one more time now. Listen to me. 
James Brown, the godfather of soul music, giving fatherly advice to those who would leave school before graduating. When I lived in Atlanta, there was a story in the local paper in 1988 about James Brown having an episode in which he came into the offices of an insurance company adjacent to his office with a gun drawn and a wild look in his eyes demanding to know who had used his private bathroom. Now imagine yourself sitting in your office mid-morning with a good hot cup of coffee, maybe even a donut, scanning various documents, and all of a sudden there before you is a man brandishing a shotgun. And not any ordinary man, but James Brown, the godfather of soul. Somebody had the presence of mind to call the police, who arrived promptly and attempted to arrest Brown. He quickly got into his pickup truck, tried to ram the police car, and then led the police on a high-speed chase through Georgia and South Carolina, not even stopping after they shot out two of his tires. He went another six miles on the rims of his pickup truck, a story of a great career that came to a sad end with the help of drug addiction. Two Songs of a Fool by William Butler Yeats. A speckled cat and a tame hare eat at my hearthstone and sleep there, and both look up to me alone for learning the defense as I look up to providence. I start out of my sleep to think some day I may forget their food and drink, or the house door left unshut, the hare may run till it's found the horn-sweet note and the tooth of the hound. I bear a burden that might well try men that do all by rule, and what can I that I'm a wandering-witted fool but pray to God that he ease my great responsibilities? I slept on my three-legged stool by the fire. The speckled cat slept on my knee. We never thought to inquire where the brown hair might be and whether the door were shut. Who knows how she drank the wind, stretched up on two legs from the mat before she had settled her mind to drum with her heel and to leap? Had I but awakened from sleep, and called her name she had heard, it may be and had not stirred, that now it may be has found the horn-sweet note and the tooth of the hound.
Jerry Lundegaard. All right, Jerry, you got the phone to yourself? Well, yeah. You know who this is? Well, yeah, I got an idea. How's that Sierra working out for you? Circumstances have changed, Jerry. Well, what do you mean? Things have changed. Circumstances, Jerry, beyond the uh, acts of God, force majeure. What the? How's Jean? Who's Jean? My wife. Oh, what the? She, 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 she's all right, but there's three people up in Brainerd who aren't so okay, I tell you that. What the heck are you talking about? Let's just finish this deal up here. Blood has been shed, Jerry. What the heck do you mean? Three people in Brainerd. Oh, jeez. That's right, and we need more money. What the heck are you talking about? What do you fellas got yourself mixed up in? We need more This was money. supposed to be a no-rough-stuff-type deal. Don't ever interrupt me, Jerry. Just shut the up. Well, I'm sorry, but I, I just, I don't... I'm not going to debate you, Jerry. I'm not going to debate. 
We now want the entire 80,000. Oh, for Christ's sake, here. Blood has been shed. We've been cut wrists, Jerry. I'm coming to town tomorrow. You have the money ready. Now, we had a deal here. A deal's a deal. Is it, Jerry? You ask those three poor souls up in Brainerd if a deal's a deal. Go ahead, ask them. The heck do you mean? The heck do you mean? I'll see you tomorrow. Yeah. Jerome Lundegaard? Yeah. This is Riley Diefenbach at GMAC. Sir, I've not received those vehicle IDs you promised. Yeah, I... Those are in the mail. That very well may be. I must inform you, however, that absent the receipt of those numbers by tomorrow afternoon, I will have to refer this matter to our legal department. Yeah. My patience is at an end. Yeah. Good day, sir. Yeah. An audio clip from the film Fargo. Before that, we heard Franz Schubert's March Militaire. What I love about the preceding exchange is that the character of Jerry Lundegaard can't refrain from being a car salesman and has to ask the Steve Buscemi character, how's that tan Sierra working out for you? I also admire the authenticity of the actor playing the GMAC accounts receivable manager. He sounds like the real deal. The Cone brothers have that necessary attention to detail. Actually, the actor playing Riley Diefenbach, the accounts receivable manager, is the same actor who plays the mortuary representative at the end of The Big Lebowski.
You just heard the beautiful prelude to Giuseppe Verdi's opera La Traviata. And next, we'll hear Luciano Pavarotti singing Nessendurma from the opera Turandot. Les anges et pures, la mer 
bergère d'azur infinie. Voyez, près des étangs, ces grands roseaux mouillés. Voyez, des oiseaux blancs et ces maisons rouillées. La mer les a le nom des golfes clairs et d'une chanson d'amour. La mer a bercé mon cœur pour la vie. La Danser le long des golfes clairs, à des reflets d'argent, la mer, des reflets changeants, la pluie, la mer, au ciel d'été, confond ses blancs moutons. Avec les anges si purs, la mer, bergère d'azur infinie. Voyez, près des étangs, ces grands roseaux mouillés. Voyez, ces oiseaux blancs et ces Wrapping things up with Charles Trenet and La Mer. About 10 years later, Bobby Darren took it, jazzed it up, and called it Somewhere Beyond the Sea. Folks, that's going to do it for me. Thanks for keeping me company. This is Joe Weber saying so long from the Voice of the Arts. <laughs>